guys, I understand it. Rectangle of mediocrity. Wow, Craig, that was some outstanding stuff. How does it tie in? You sound like a real nerd. I'm grooving. Now I'm going off on a rant. Our guests are the meat to our stale bread. All right, it is another edition of the Channel Partners podcast, Coffee with Craig and Kevin. I am the executive editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always... The man whose New Year's resolution is to stay firmly planted in the rectangle of mediocrity, our own director of business development, Mr. Kevin Morris. Kevin, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great, Craig. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to the audience. Thank you all so much for a fabulous 2019, but we're on to 2020, and I do just want to remain in the rectangle of mediocrity. Don't want to slip down to that rhombus of incompetence, Craig, uh, which I'm (laughs) you know, struggling to stay above at all times. <laughs> For sure. Always a good idea to under-promise and over-deliver, my friend. No doubt about it. And if I'm not promising anything, then all I can do is at least just deliver. People don't expect anything of you. Things are generally going to go okay. Well, you know, you've certainly stayed true to that standard on this podcast, my friend. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, speaking of the standard on this podcast, let's get right to it. Mr. DJ. Hey, Mr. DJ. What's up with these Bee Gees? Well, you, you know, it's back to a theme we used for so long, linking our opening music to the number of podcasts we've done. And since this is episode number 70 of Coffee with Craig and Kevin, or CWCK, as we affectionately call it, it only seemed appropriate to feature a mainstay of the 70s. You know you're grooving. I certainly am, Craig. You know, I wore this wingtip collar today and my bell bottoms for the first time in years. Uh, It was a Halloween costume at one point. I I just didn't know you were going to do this, though. Well, I'm glad that there's no video for this podcast, then. That's for sure. That is for sure, because I'm totally doing the John Travolta right now. (laughs) No doubt. Well, hey, bringing up the rectangle made me think of the Channel Partners Circle of Excellence, which, of course, made me think of the upcoming Channel Partners Conference and Expo in Las Vegas, March 9th through the 12th. It is back at the Venetian and Sands Expo, a common refrain, you might say, on this here program. We have what I consider to be a bang-up lineup of terrific speakers and industry education that I'd like to talk about a little later in the show. Would that be okay with you, Kevin? Um, Craig, do you realize you do that a lot? What's that? Well, you ask me what I think. But if I disagree, you just go ahead and do it anyway. Are you saying you don't want to hear about the great content at the show? Of course I do, Craig, but I'm just making a point. And a correct point at that. See, I don't always disagree with you. Whatever. But first, Kevin, let's talk about the guests we have coming up so people have something more to stick around for besides an upcoming personal deep dive or one of Kevin's whimsical industry metaphors. Or whatever other mediocrity you'll be spewing forth. (laughs) That's a good idea, Craig. In just a moment, we'll be talking with Nick Tidd, the channel chief at Poly. It's been several months since the company rebranded from Plantronics, and almost two years now since Plantronics bought Polycom, a huge deal in UC, conferencing, and cloud. We'll hear how that's all impacted partners and get the latest on some of the new products and services the company has on tap. And a little later, Kevin, we'll have George Anderson, the channel boss over there at WebRoot, We'll be talking security, 
Okay, meantime, we might as well get it over with. It's our first episode of the new year. How did you spend the holidays? Well, Craig, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, not in the greatest voiceover ever, but it's time for one of our personal deep dives. Craig, I got to tell you, this holiday season was one for the ages. My wife and I met in Maryland, Craig, but oddly enough, both our parents lived 45 minutes away from each other and still do in Pennsylvania. So that meant we got to haul our tuckuses and the kiddos' tuckuses <laughs> right up to Pennsylvania. And uh, first we spent some time with my wife's family, and then we spent some time with my family. So it was really great to see everyone have two Christmas dinners, per se. And then, of course, uh, the daughter and I have taken on some crock-potting lately. And if you have any recipes out there, audience, feel free to send them my way. Uh, so when we got back home over the New Year's week, we did some crock-potting, doing some white chicken chili. We did some pot roast. And I believe we did some barbecue pork as well, sir. Wow, I love two dinners. And I love that you're taking up crock-potting with the daughter. Maybe uh, crocheting or knitting is next. <laughs> Maybe, Craig. If she gets into that, I'll give it a try. But uh, let's just say if we do, hopefully she's much better than me because art was not my best subject. Well, and you have multiple thumbs. <laughs> I certainly do, but fortunately, you're under my thumb. <laughs> so, Craig, that's certainly enough about me. Let's talk about what you did for the holidays, sir. Well, let me tell you, it was another great holiday season for me as well. And again, food, just like with you, is a common theme. We went out to one of my favorite restaurants on Christmas Eve with my mother-in-law. Wound up having some ribs and some mashed potatoes, a staple of mine at this particular restaurant. So that was delish. So then we had my mother-in-law over the next day for Christmas, so we had some great food then as well. Uh, Louie, the pup, uh, got a lot of great toys. He's got his own bin now because he's got so many that now he can go in and root in there and dig out as many as he wants to and leave them strewn all over the floor. And you know what, buddy? He doesn't go back and clean them up. He doesn't put them back in the bin, which I'm trying to train him to do, but he hasn't, he hasn't gotten that yet. Takes after his dad, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, when I was just a youngster in my 30s. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, Craig, that sounds awesome. You, you really can't beat the three Fs over the holidays. Family, fun, and food. No doubt about it. Yes, that's for sure. How about the Suze? How did, how did Susie fare over uh, the holidays? Well, she made the trip up to PA with us, and uh, oddly enough, at my parents, no matter how many times I tell them to keep the snacks or the food in the middle of the dining room table because Susie can jump, she's got hops, Craig. She jumped up and got a whole block of this nice cheddar cheese, but fortunately we were able to get it from her. And she only just bit off a corner, a small corner of it. So there wasn't any large incident, but it was just hilarious at how quickly and somehow her neck. I don't know if you remember the cartoon Inspector Gadget. Go, go, Gadget Wowzers! But her sure. neck could like expand when it needed to get further on the table. It, it, it's weird. <laughs> I just I don't know how she does it, but uh, she ended up getting that cheese briefly. And fortunately, we were able to get it from her before she housed the whole thing. Did you then eat the next slice off of it? <laughs> I uh, immediately, yeah, no. Uh, we we cut off uh, a little section post chomp, if you will, and and we're able to save the rest of the cheese. Of course, you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, I think that's enough of our cheese. Maybe it's time we get to our first guest. Yeah, let's do it, Kevin. And I'm going to take this one solo, if you don't mind. I guess that's okay. All right, really happy to welcome into the coffee house Nick Tid. Nick is the channel chief with Polly. Nick, how you doing? 
great. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to congratulate you for being one of our channel partners, Top Gun 51 honorees. That's an award given this past year to forward-looking channel executives. And as we go into 2020, it seems very appropriate. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Much appreciated. It's a team effort to get these kind of accolades. So full team effort. Absolutely. I'll be sure to tell Kevin how important the team effort is a little later since he's not here to help with this interview. <laughs> there you go. We're coming up on a year now since the Poly brand was born. Uh, for those who haven't been following your business closely, let's go back in time a couple of years and explain how all of this came to be. Sure. This was um, two companies, Polycom and Plantronics, coming together on the 2nd of July of 2018. And as many firms go through this and they evaluate and they, they look at kind of the meld of products and portfolio and the way they go to market, I used the phrase, it was two brothers from the same mother separated at birth. You know, you, you look at the product portfolios that Polycom had, heavy strength on video, heavy strength on voice desktop, Plantronics, very heavy focus on enterprise and consumer headsets. And so as we brought the portfolio together, it really filled the void in both markets. And it was an interesting time, Craig, in the industry as well that the emergence of the need to be agnostic to the platforms that you are connecting to. And we found a way to accelerate that. And so as we went through the integration, we went through the planning and we got to the company name and I was like, how do we come up with something that's indicative of the heritage of both? And that's what we came up with the Poly brand. And let you in on a little secret with the with the poly brand is that that logo conveys many elements of the heritage with the three p's representing plantronics polycom and poly and so it gives us an opportunity to look back as well as look forward and when you look at kind of the iconology and the logo you you can see that as well because many people went well, you just trying to drop the calm. Well, no, we didn't drop the calm. We thought about this and we wanted to make sure that we were respecting of the of the cultures from both and the portfolio and the and the recognition of the strength of both brands. It's been really exciting effort for me personally. This is now several acquisitions. And so you always just keep learning and you keep evolving. And the partner community has been overwhelming with their support of bringing these two companies together. Yeah, Poly really seems to be a perfect fit. It wasn't a drastic change. It was close to something they were familiar with already. Very familiar. But what was interesting, Craig, is when I peeled the onion back and I started to look to say there was a set of sellers selling Plantronics that were not selling Polycom and conversely, the other way. And so it's incumbent upon us as an organization to cross sell and upsell across our portfolio. And that opportunity for our partners and the fact that the market's growing at about 7% and all four key markets for us are growing. So when partners are evaluated to whom they should partner with, they're looking for opportunities for growth. And we brought them that opportunity and will continue to bring them that opportunity for growth because we're, we're very excited about as we look out to the market and specifically we look out as far as 2022, you know, this is going to be a $7 billion addressable market for our partners. And so there's nothing but upside and it's incumbent upon us to go and conquer that together. 
Well, it's certainly exciting to start off a new year with numbers like that to look at. Uh, Nick, Polly has unveiled a number of new products and services in the past few months. Uh, what are one or two the partner community should be focused on? Well, not only that, but it's going to be a busy year for them coming because we're not done yet. We brought the organizations together. We created a single engineering team. We created a single product marketing team, a single sales organization. And so you've just seen the tip of the spear. But let me talk about a couple of them in particular. The studio product, the Studio X30 and X50, first USB video soundbar products from Poly, creating a truly unique experience for the huddle room, competitively very different from what's out in the market. All of us just want to walk into a meeting room and have a seamless connection. We want to be instantly get access to that, to that meeting, regardless of what platform that's on, whether that's on Teams, which we're on now, or Zoom, or Amazon, or any of the others. So we bring a very unique value proposition to the video space and changing the rules of the game and giving the customers and our partners the flexibility to present both. We now are shipping our team's phones, which um, we brought a very different view and architecture to our phone portfolio. So this is just the tip of what's yet to come and partners are embracing. In fact, many of them are saying, Polly's got its game back. A lot of companies, they, they collapse internally. They get very focused on integration and planning, and they let their competitors jump on open space of opportunity. And we've done quite the opposite. Well, we did have some challenges, but at the same time, we're addressing growth markets. And you look at the enterprise headset space with a complete refresh. You know, that market's forecasted to grow at 8% between 2018 and 2022. So again, another opportunity and a great opportunity for our partner base. Now, it's worth noting before we go any further uh, that you turned on your video for this podcast, clearly video being a very important part of Polly's business. Now, I did not, and I just wanted to say thank you for not shaming me for that. No worries. And it just, you know, it speaks, Craig, to how pervasive video and remote communication and connectivity is becoming. And the need to be able to participate regardless of location. And you want to be able to, to communicate video, but also headset on the body, wearable devices, connectivity from anywhere you need to be. And we, we bring that entire portfolio to the market, unlike anybody else in the space. All of that certainly improves the method of communication for sure. Uh, hey, Nick, I wanted to ask you, this fall, Poly teamed with 8x8 and ScanSource on the CloudFuel program for VARs. What does that entail and what does Poly hope to achieve with the partnership? So, Craig, I'm going to date myself a little bit. I've been doing this for a while and you know, I started early on in my career with 3Com. And, kind of, and I'm going to come back into your question in a second, but... We had this on-prem PBX in the closet, and we went to the first version of Voice over Ethernet, and then we went to True Voice over IP, and then we went to cloud. There's still 350 million lines on on-prem still, wow. and we need to accelerate that transition in the marketplace. And so the eight by eight scan source poly joint effort to go to market has us supporting ScanSource's partner program, whereas ScanSource now becomes the delivery mechanism for 8x8 and Poly combined. And so we are taking the approach of how do we upgrade, create a partner initiative, a partner effort through our combined partner community. So essentially it's 
how do we deliver the upgrade capability to the market? We've got a great audience of legacy partners here, so I don't think you're dating yourself at all with that. <laughs> uh, Polly will be exhibiting at the upcoming Channel Partners Conference and Expo in Las Vegas. Uh, we're less than two months away from that now. Congratulations again on the Top Gun 51 Award, and thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Pleasure. Look forward to the next time we get a chance to chat. All right. Take care. I got to tell you, Craig, that was an awesome interview with Nick Tid from Polly, probably because I wasn't a part of it. Um, you always step your game up. Well done, sir. And it's always good to have one of our Top Gun 51 honorees uh, on. They always bring great information. Great to learn about the rebrand and all the new products and services going on over at Polly. Absolutely. It was, Kevin. Looking forward to seeing them set up shop again at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo just, uh, well, less than two months away now. Faux show. You just keep shameless plugging that show, Craig. <laughs> it's what we do. <laughs> Speaking of which, earlier you teased some of the... <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, you had teased some of the amazing content that attendees will be able to take part in at the show. You want to kick off this shameless plug segment with a couple of quick highlights? Shameless plug. Well, why wouldn't I, Kevin? The Nevada tourism industry is going to take a serious hit Monday night, March 9th. That is because people will be going to bed early to make sure they're at the morning keynote on the 10th. Why, you ask? I do ask. We're taking the convergence debate that everyone was talking about at Channel Partners Evolution last fall to the main keynote stage. Get I'd, out. Yes, yes. I'd recommend arriving early to get a seat, and that's, that's to you as well, Kevin. Is telecom IT convergence just hype, or is it the future of the channel? Channel stalwart Janet Shines will lead what we expect to be a fiery discussion featuring Andrew Pryfogel of Pax8, a big proponent of convergence, we just had on the last podcast, you may recall. <laughs> I may be in the rectangle of mediocrity, Craig, but I certainly remember all our fabulous guests. Certainly, Kevin. Also, we have Jared Martin of TPX Communications, Rob Ray of Data, and Bill Power, CEO of the Agent Alliance. Fire up the cliches. No holds barred. Battle Royale. Smackdown. This is going to be a conversation for the ages. Wow. What a great way to open the show, Craig. Uh, and you know what else is down there early in the morning? That's what gets yeah. me up. The bacon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, I can't be sure that there's going to be bacon as part of the morning keynote. I have not seen the menu, but probably nine times out of ten, uh, bacon is uh, on that buffet. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to gamble and say that it will be happening. Almost the only sure thing in Vegas, buddy, um, or at least a breakfast sausage on the menu. You, you'll get one of the two. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Craig, it's not just the breakfast keynote. There's another keynote I have my eye on as well later that day. Raj Samani, chief scientist with McAfee, is going to get us caught up on the ransomware threat. He'll help partners get inside the minds of cyber criminals and give our audience tips for how to prepare for the future of ransomware. That's right, Kevin. And another big name in the channel, Craig Schlagbaum, channel chief at Comcast. He's got a great first name, by the way. He will lead a hands-on panel discussion on, to put it fairly simply, helping partners make more money. You gotta love that, Craig. Money, 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 money. Specifically, it'll be about wrapping additional technologies and services into one bigger, more profitable package, allowing partners to sell more and scale their businesses for future growth. Yeah, Craig, so many partners are great at what they sell and make a nice chunk of change doing it. But when their pitch is centered around just one or two elements, there's always a ceiling as to what they can bring in. So those are some of the keynotes, Kevin. Why don't we quickly touch on some of the conference education tracks? 
I think we should, Craig. So we were just talking about Raj Samani's ransomware keynote earlier. What do we always say here on the podcast, Craig? Security. It's, it's part, part of, of every, every sale. sale. Yes. And we've got an entire conference track dedicated to security at the show. Imagine that, Craig. Sessions include a step-by-step -step guide to building security practice, how to build a security practice within your organization, and how security and compliance could save your client's business and your own for that matter. Craig, you still there? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Kevin. When you said step-by-step, -step, I started daydreaming about ABC's old TGIF lineup. You know, we had this discussion the other day. You felt that Full House really carried the rest of those shows? A doo doo bop ba dow um, Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed to admit we were talking about that and that I know the end of their theme song, maybe their entire theme song, but can we please get back down to business? Uh, yeah, sure. We'll also have a technology track, a sales and marketing track, and a business best practices track. Topics within those tracks will include the customer experience, the promise of IoT, upselling and cross-selling, SD-WAN sales. I could go on and I will. That's a promise. Just not right now. So much of this conference will be dedicated to giving you the tools you need to go home and improve your business. Most importantly, to make more moolah, Kevin. Make money, money, make money, money. That's what it's all about, my friend. And we barely touched on what people can expect at the show. Money, money. On the next podcast, we'll talk about the exciting pre-con we have on tap as well as some of the networking opportunities where I will fill up on Diet Cokes, as usual. <laughs> Indeed. Greg, that's enough from us for now. What do you say we welcome in our next guest? All right, Kevin, it's my pleasure to welcome into the coffee house George Anderson from WebRoot. George is the product marketing director. George, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you. Hey, we are glad to have you on the show. Wanted to start off by asking you a little bit about this recent Forrester research. I understand it uncovered a lot of really interesting security tidbits. One of the most interesting is how much a business spends on security doesn't necessarily correlate to them being safer. So why do you think that is? I think there's a, a whole lot of things hidden behind those sort of stats. It's interesting to look at it. Um, I think one of the things I always look at is is what's the actual expertise level we're at there. And I know we all we talk about IT security skills shortage, but you know there is a genuine shortage out there. And when you look at something, for instance, like some other research actually by another organisation called Hiscox, they're a, a cybersecurity insurance company, and they obviously are looking at companies from the perspective of insuring them for you know for risk, if you like, for for cyber insurance, and they, you know, their last report said basically that 74% of the organizations, and that was all sizes of organizations, recently were cyber novices. So when you get that sort of review from a, you know, a professional insurance company or, or, or an auditor, if you like, you sort of realize that, you know, expertise is one of the issues there. I think the other great thing is the fact that people just don't realize they're getting targeted so much these days. It's not, it's not a question of you know, will I be targeted? Is you are being targeted, and that's just that level of uh, level of attack rate as such these days that, um, that people are just not prepared for that. They just they, they always think it's going to be you know it's not going to happen to me sort of thing. So that's the complacency. And I you know I, I think I mentioned well I haven't mentioned but you know I did a lot of work last year about talking to MSPs about this move from being you know the clients being complacent to critical. Well, actually MSPs also being a little bit complacent and having to take uh, security a little bit more seriously. And I think. You know, there's a whole lot of things, factors that are driving at that. So those are the, that's some of the things I think that Forrester uncovered by that. Um, as I said, I think 
maybe around the idea that you know good enough was good enough a few years ago, but really, as I said, because of this sort of attacks we're seeing today, it's no longer longer that way. More attacks and people not being ready for attacks. That's not a good combo. Um, no, that is a bad combo. <laughs> <laughs> so, George, what advice would you give partners on approaching their customers, these cyber novices, about security spending? I think they've got to go into it in a number of different levels. I think the, the, you know, the service providers I see doing this well actually spend time going in and talking about layered security to their uh, clients. They talk about you know, looking at where the most valuable assets are, what data actually needs to be, you know, ultimately needs to be protected the most. Maybe some things that they have online at the moment shouldn't be online. There's a whole lot of you know, advice they can give about if they're, if they're holding the keys to the gate. I think there's technologies they start to talk about within that and that defense and why they're recommending those. So you know, we tend to, to see, MSPs tend to develop what I call security stacks, in other words, with you know, a, a number of layers of services that they sort of have as their fundamentals and say, well, look, we're going to offer this as a basic. Um, and then I think the more sophisticated ones on top of that start to look at the particulars for that type of organization and the type of risk that they face uh, and the certain needs that that organization faces. Because obviously, uh, you know, a doctor's office is very different from a garage or, uh, or you know, from a retail outlet. You know, they all got different needs and uh, different compliance things and different security things as well. I think the approach is becoming far more consultative and people realize it's not just a, a one-size-fits-all and it can't be a one-size-fits-all. George, let's drill down on the channel a little bit. I know you spend a bulk of your time uh, working with MSPs. So what kind of security solutions are MSPs and their SMB customers investing in most heavily? And are those the ones that are working the best? Yeah, I understand that. We did, uh, we did quite a lot of research. Obviously, we, we keep looking at the market and you know, looking at what people have bought. So, I mean, they buy backup and disaster recovery. So now, obviously, we're part of Carbonite. That's, a, that's the thing they buy the most of. So that's sort of a very relevant sort of part of that. Endpoint protection, which we also offer, sort of come, comes in a nice number two. So they're, they're, you know, the nice number one and two. And you can understand why backup and disaster recovery, because you know ransomware and what's been happening out in the market since about you know 2013-14, and the fact that that's you know no chance of going away. It sort of seems to be getting worse, and different sorts of organisations being targeted. And we saw you know the impact on local government, who were again, you know, we talked about unprepared and unready. You know, you look at the impact on, you know, places like Texas and Florida last year and even, you know, Baltimore and some of the other parts of the U.S. as far as local government went, and you can see just how unprepared people were. So the technologies, people are buying into things that say, well, if I get, if and when I get hit by this, it's almost I've got something to, you know, I can restore, I can get back into business. I'm, I'm not going to have to pay a large sum of money to try and recover data, which I might not get back even if I do pay. So a lot of conundrums there. So pretty obvious things people to spend on. Then after that, you've got things like network monitoring, patch management, you know, password management, as you can imagine, is very key. Security awareness training. People are starting to look at audits and, and actually doing more professional audits uh, of what they do. And then you get down to things like, you know, DNS, security awareness training, and then a couple of things that we offer. And then you, know, you go further down that and you get to maybe network anomaly detection and IAM and, you know, an automated vulnerability assessment. There's a whole lot of things come down on the list lower down. There's a lot of, there's obviously a lot of technologies out there. The, the thing is that, the chief thing is the affordability for the SMB too. It's not, you know, MSP to offer as a service in a way that, you know, they're not going to lose the short offering as a service and also for the, for the, for the end customer to consume it and buy it and actually afford it is sort of like a, another big factor there. So there's a number of things that play, if you like, in, in, in the technology stack and what people choose. The most professional MSPs I know tend to have very much up their game, almost become managed services, security service providers. You know, they will do audits. They will go in. They will very much, 
you know, look at that. They'll have, they'll have to say, a basic uh, amount of security and say they won't take any customer on with. If you don't, you know, have this security, then we can't take your business on. So they start with sort of like a, a nice solid benchmark, if you like, of basic things to have in place. And then they tend to uh, then have a, you know, a cherry list on top of that, again, depending on the results of the audit and the things that are most important. As I said, it's more of a like it becomes more of a consultancy and a solution sale rather than just uh, you know a pilot high you know here it is sort of security stack. So George, as we've alluded to and you just mentioned, you know SMBs are typically lagging behind when it comes to adopting the top security solutions, and and as we said uh, earlier, you know it's because they think they're less likely to be targeted by cyber crooks. But apparently that's not the mindset they should have any longer. Can we dive a little deeper into that and and why SMBs yeah. should be on the lookout? I think there's a, there's a number of different things in play there, if you like. There's there's the fact that, you know, the common cyber criminals now, they just scan the whole time. They can go to the black market and buy, you know, companies that have got vulnerabilities and they can find their way in and then they can you know, use that for what they want. And it might be ransomware. It might be, you know, it might be just simply that they want to get into that organization to get, you know, to cloud hop or to go to another organization the supplier of, you know, there's a very famous case of... Uh, I think of Target a few years about that the HVAC company was used as the, the company to exploit in. So the supplier, the actual supplier chain and that supply chain side of it, which people, you know, small business doesn't tend to look at very closely. They tend to think of themselves, not their, their initially their connections. That's become incredibly important. And then we've got, you know, really what I would call the growth in state actors. You know, we've got lots of people who basically target the U.S. and, and small business in the U.S. the whole time. Uh, for a variety of different reasons, even to you know to steal intellectual property, you got to think of you know, some of the smaller companies. You know, are going to be the larger companies of tomorrow. They've got very valuable IP, even at the stage of startups. If you can get you know hold of that IP, it's um it's you know it's got a value. It's got something out there as well. So state actors are interested in that, um, and sort of various other things. Again, uh, just trying to own networks and be able to use those networks to do different things. And you know, often even these days, they're using the MSP as the way in to do that. They're you know they'll they'll get they'll compromise the MSP and then use the tools that they have to uh, to actually compromise the networks and you get this what we call collateral damage type thing going on at the same time. So I think gone are the days of of attacks. Just be, I mean there's just still a lot of random attacks, but it's pretty thorough thorough sort of process for looking for vulnerabilities and scanning the internet and finding you know weak and vulnerable organisations and uh, you know that's set to continue and it's it's not going to change. And I mean again I think. Uh, I'll, I'll refer back. I used actually Hiscops. I, I used Hiscops rather extensively because they're they're sort of they are vendor neutral. They're sort of like you know they're an insurance company. But I think their last results for sort of 2018 showed the attacks on SMBs growing by about 59 percent, and the attack levels being pretty much up there with any sort of like medium-sized business and almost enterprise-sized businesses too. So it's not a question of of if anymore. It's it's just a question of it, it's happening and not it's not even when it's. It's just happening, basically. You're being attacked the whole time. There were some other interesting stats I think I saw from, you know, being a Brit, I obviously keep watching what happens in the UK, and I think the small business bureau in the UK, sometime in November, sort of said something like 10,000 attacks per day on an average SMB. So it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's just persistent these days. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not if it'll happen, it's persistent. Yeah, those are some really scary numbers, George. It's a, a good wrap of the security market. I wanted to ask you, just touch on uh, the channel program with the folks who are in WebRoot's partner community listening today and those who might become uh, WebRoot partners. Uh, any updates you want to share there? 
We pretty much maintain and keep maintaining our Partner Edge program, which uh, you know we've had for a while. It's, it's an award-winning program. It's done very well. So we do things like you know free sales and technical training, standard sort of stuff you'd expect there. You know, so we give sales and marketing tools. We've got obviously got lots of integrations with RMM partners. So the fact that you know we we work very well with RMMs and PSAs, and so for an MSP part, you know, part of that, you know, being part of the family in that sense means. They can use the tools they want alongside, you know, the technology we have. We have things like go-to-market toolkits. So if, if an MSP is looking to go out there and build, and build their business, you know, we'll help them jointly, try and help them jointly do that and, uh, and give them the tools to do that too. You know, obviously looking at ways of, of, of improving that. We're now, as you know, probably part of Carbonite. You probably know also even more recently, uh, December 24th became part of uh, Open Text. So um, I should think, you know, we'll be, we'll be looking at these things in ways we can improve them or... Uh, or, or if you like, maybe integrate good things from here and there and sort of build something even better. But you know, for us, MSPs are our customers. They're our main focus anyway. We can help them. We look at you know, things within our partner program to try and do that and, and help them do better. Yeah, a lot of moving and shaking going on over there at WebRoot, obviously, uh, George, with the uh, acquisitions that have gone on here recently. Uh, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate you getting us caught up on security and uh, look forward to seeing you on down the road. Great, great talk to you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, George. Craig, great to hear from George and Webroot, uh, all the things that they're doing to help SMBs. Uh, an oft-forgotten-about vertical uh, when it comes to security. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to promise to have more security guests on the show going forward. It's such an important area. Uh, I know we have a lot of folks in our audience who are interested in it. So uh, good stuff there from George. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing him and the rest of the Webroot team at the Channel Partners Conference and Expo. That's for sure, Craig. All right, Kevin, I think this has been a, a really good show, if I do say so, myself and ourselves. I was a little concerned we wouldn't bring our C game, considering it's the middle of winter. It gets dark so early, it's chilly outside, you know, not as uplifting an atmosphere. Didn't you mean our A game, Craig? Oh, wait, the rectangle of mediocrity, I get it. But Craig, I think I've got something else that will help you get out of your funk. Oh, yeah? What's that? As you alluded to earlier, Craig, it's time for another one of Cavern's Whimsical Industry Metaphors. Really? When I brought that up earlier, I was really just mentioning some of your typical bits as a point of reference. I didn't think you were really going to follow up with them. Craig, I aim to please and remain in the rectangle. And since you did half the work for me, this was just easier than coming up with another concept. All right, let's have it. Craig, as you alluded to earlier, it's winter, in case people have forgotten, and it's getting dark a little earlier. It's chilly outside. It's not quite as uplifting of an environmental, I'll say, atmosphere. However, here in this industry, things are probably seeming a little shorter, but it's about to get a lot warmer because we've got the Channel Partners Conference and Expo a month earlier than usual this year, Craig. You see what I did there? Wow, that that was. I'm was... not done yet, Craig. Oh. You know, you might think the days are, are going by too fast before the expo, but let me tell you, we've got what it takes to make sure that you're prepared for the show. First thing you need to do is you need to go to channelpartnersconference.com. From there, you can download our newly available event brochure. That's going to give you some tips on the agenda. Also, you can register there. Uh, we just passed our early bird deadline, but make sure you don't miss this next deadline. Get those discounts if you're in. Ask your vendors if you're a partner. Ask them for their partner appreciation code. That'll help get you discounts into the event. 
Also, Craig, if you are looking to exhibit or sponsor, and this is self-promotion right here, there is definitely still time. Go to the website. Go to Looking to Sponsor or Exhibit. You can download our prospectus, or you can just direct message me, Kevin Morris, on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to get you to your account executive, and, and we can make sure that you're prepared and you're on site in Las Vegas. Well, I got to say, this is one of the rare times that I'm glad that the quim didn't end when I thought it was going to end because that was going to be one of the worst quims ever. But you managed to pull it off, my friend. Well, thank you, Craig. At the start there, I was a little worried that it was going to be too whimsical. Almost because I did another W there, I winged it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd be lying if I said it didn't sound like it. Hey, you're the one who suddenly dropped the uh, the thing at the beginning of the podcast. I felt like I had to. You came through. You came through, my friend, for sure. Did I lift your spirits, buddy? Uh, you know, surprisingly, it did lift my spirits a little higher. That's what I'm talking about. But honestly, Craig, I don't know what you're complaining about since you live in Arizona and it's like 70 degrees every day in the winter. Uh, you know, I just wanted to feel like one of the people, air quotes, you know. Why don't you wrap this up by telling the people about our podcast archive. Will do, Kevin. If you'd like to check out the archive of Coffee with Craig and Kevin, all 70 episodes, you can go to SoundCloud and search Channel Partners Online. Do the same thing on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can find all of our podcasts on the flagship channelpartnersonline.com. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And we hope to see you again next time. Laissez les bon temps rouler.